McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Bobby fans and welcome to PO Forecast episode 68. Well we've got a special episode for you guys this week. Uh, joining me on the podcast to co-host it is Andy Mitchell. Andy how are you? Not too bad thank you mate. Always a pleasure to join you. Yeah as as always mate great to have you on the show and um, I'm sure all the listeners know but joining us today on the podcast is a Pompey legend Gary O'Neill. Gary how are you? Yeah I'm alright thank you very much. Um, good to be on looking forward to it. Nice one. Nice one. Okay, Andy, I think I started the last podcast on this sort of interview, so do you want to get us cracking with the first one? Go for it. Yeah, I guess it would make sense to start back at the beginning of your career as a as a teenager at Pompey. Um, can you yep. talk us through how you got into the Pompey Academy and that early sort of breakthrough from uh, from a young age into the team? Yeah, it was an interesting one, really. I was at, um, I was at sort of West Ham as like a 12, 13 year old and, and I was doing okay because obviously that, that was more local to me. Um, but in my Sunday league team was George Fennick, Terry Fennick's son. Um, and then Terry got the Portsmouth job, I think, around that time. And uh, George went down to do a few nights training in the academy and they asked if I fancied it. So I used to travel down a couple of hours in the car with my granddad on a, on a Tuesday night, Thursday night, um, just joining in with the 13s and 14s and Sean North was the coach. I think he's still there, actually. He helped out with the 16s. And I just loved it. It just sort of brought an extra little bit of life out of me when I was playing. Just so much more enjoyment. And I started to develop that much quicker. And then before I knew it, two, two and a bit years later, I was I was playing in, in Portsmouth's first team. So it was a it was, it was was a crazy couple of years, really. Because I, I was just sort of pulling along at West Ham. Nothing special. Just sort of one of the group. Um, and then coming to Portsmouth really sort of sort of sprung my, my footballing life into, well, kick-started it, really. When we were, um, we were chatting to David Norris, and he was saying when he was sort of wanted to get into football that you know, his dad was saying how important it was to carry on with his studies and, you know, if he was going to make it, he would make it. Um, how were your family supporting you uh, to be a professional footballer? Yeah, very similar. I think I think most, most lads will tell you the same thing. And, and I, I was... I did keep up my studies as, as much as I could um, when I was at school, um, sort of GCSEs. I think for GCSEs, really. And then once I, once I was full-time at Portsmouth and I was in and around the first team, it, it does become more difficult. So you you was meant to be doing your GMVQ at uh, Southampton University on a Thursday. Um, but because I was in and around the first team already, it just sort of felt like a, why am I doing this? I should be at the training ground preparing for Saturday with, with a first team lads. It was that that was when it became difficult. But when I was still at school, 
the, t- the teachers were great. They used to let me, I remember I used to miss maths on a Friday afternoon because Alan Ball took me to a few away matches with the, with the first team. I never actually got on the bench, but I was in the sort of match day squad. I went to Nottingham Forest um, under Alan Ball um, as sort of like the 18th man or whatever it was back then. And I got to go on and do the pre-match all with everybody as, as a 15-year-old who was still at school. So that was an amazing opportunity. Um and maths was probably, aside from PE, my, my strongest subject. So the maths teacher was fairly lenient with me missing a, an hour or so there to, mm. to go be involved in, in Portsmouth's first team. So it, there is a balancing act. But as soon as it became obvious to me that I, I was going to be good enough to make a living playing football, I, I was forward 100% in, into my football. Awesome. So you were 16 when you made uh, first team debut, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So how, how big did that step up actually feel? Because everyone says it's a big step up from youth football to play first team, sort of on the ground as an experience. What were the main differences? Is it physicality or speed? Uh, yeah, it's, well, it's everything, really. If you're honest, it's um, just at the level of everything goes up. And what, what you get, you get they make far better decisions. Seasoned professionals just don't make as many mistakes and don't mm. make as many bad choices. Whereas when you're playing in a youth team, you still get people doing things that they that they should do, and you you'll never, very rarely see that on a first team pitch. So, but the physicality, obviously, because I was I was tiny when you look back at the video of me coming on, it was uh, it was laughable. Really, it looked like someone had brought the mascot on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, everything just goes up. And I remember my reserve team debut actually, which was a big one. It was a, I think it was my debut, but I remember the Southampton reserve team game. Um, that was on a midweek night after school, so I travelled down after school, and it was against Southampton. I think there was a, it was at Haven and Waterloo. There must have been three and a half, four thousand yeah. fans there. Yeah, it must have been. Uh, and I was playing right midfield against Francis Benali, who was wearing yeah. a, a cast on his left arm. Um, <laughs> and about thirty seconds into the game, I went to make a forward run beyond him, and he smashed me across the face with the cast <laughs> on his arm. And that was sort of when I realised, like, well, this is. <laughs> this is real now. Yeah. Those sort of experiences at such a young age, um, I'm sure they're the reason that I, I managed to have uh, such a, a long and relatively successful career because um, I, le- I learned so much. And then we obviously a bit later on, I'm sure we'll come on to it. We had the, the spell where we signed some fantastic experienced players that I got to yeah. train with every day. So that the development I got from being at Portsmouth in that time was just. It was phenomenal, really. You don't realise it while you're in it, but the amount I learned day in from being around them, day in, day out from being around them sort of things was, was phenomenal. Was there ever a point where you doubted that you'd make the step up or was it a case of, I'm going to get physically bigger as I get older? My technique, like apart from the physicality, I fit in here. Like, Were you always confident you'd fit in with a couple more years? Yeah, I felt, I, I felt I'd be good enough, but I, there was always, I've always sort of driven myself with like a fear of failure. That's just the way I'm made. I'm always scared of failing. So even last year in, in at Bolton when I was 36, there's still a, a huge fear of failure. Every time I, I go out, I don't, I don't want to fail. So I was always worried about it. I mean, I remember um, I was, I was still young, but we went to Crystal Palace. Um, we were two 0 down at half time, and Harry Redknapp dragged me and Jason Crow off and the lads went on to win 3-2 and I remember in the car home with my dad saying not sure I'm going to be good enough you know dad and it was like it was only 45 minutes of football and it, you know what I mean it could happen to anyone I was only a young kid but that, that was sort of how I was the whole way through my career I was always sort of worried 
not not worried, but there was always that fear. And I think that, that sort of drove me on. I listened to a very similar interview with Wayne Rooney, and that, that was yesterday uh, before the Derby Man United game. And he had the same, interestingly enough. And I believe Steve Gerrard was the same. So it, sometimes you get driven on by wanting to succeed. And I think you find a lot a lot of players are driven by like that fear of, of fouling. Mm. I always hated fouling. So that, that was what kept me pushing. And uh, just just to touch on that, is there a way that you prepare for games, and has that changed the tools you've you know progressed and got older to sort of like make sure you're at your best? Yeah, I think it's very difficult. I have this conversation a lot now because I'm I'm sort of getting into the coaching side and trying to help younger players and well, all players sort of prepare. Um, and mine changed as I got older, as I'm sure everyone's did. Um, it's very very difficult to to get to the very top level every Saturday, every Tuesday. You know, you see like Olympic athletes, they need to sort of prepare for a big event every two years, you know, or every year or whatever it may be. They're like training, training, training for one peak. Whereas as a footballer or as as a rugby player or whatever it may be that performs every weekend or twice a week, it's very difficult to get your body and your mind in the right state to be at 100% all the time. And And that's why you see players go through spells where they're on top of their game and, and other times where as a player you don't feel like you're doing anything different but you just struggle to get to the levels you were at and I think that that's, that's why the squad is, is so important nowadays because it is very very difficult which is why I, I admire the top boys so much when you look at the Lionel Messi's and Mo Salah and, and people like that who play Saturday, Tuesday at the highest level and expected to win every game. It is phenomenal to be at the very top of your levels physically and mentally so so often. So, yeah, I, I used to prepare the same, but when I was younger, I used to be a lot more nervous about it. Whereas as you get older, you sort of accept that, that I can only control what I can control and what is going to happen is going to happen. And then I'll get another chance on Tuesday to put it right and another chance on Saturday. So it didn't become the be all and end all like it, like it was. I was very sort of emotional about it when I was younger, whereas I managed to be a bit more level, which I think is very important if you're a, if you're a young lad growing up to try and not get too up and too down because there's yeah. there's always a next high or low coming very very quickly yeah so listen up by uh, young people listening to the game as Gary has got some decent advice <laughs> yeah yeah well some decent and some not so decent but I'm still trying to improve that as well as we go so no go on Andy okay so um, if we jump forward a little bit and Pompey escape relegation to Div 2. Final day of the season. Uh, I think it was Barnsley, but uh, that may be wrong. Um, it was Barnsley, yeah. It was Barnsley, yeah, yeah. was it? And um, yeah. that, obviously looking at the, the three, four, five, six, well, I suppose the seven or eight years that followed it, that's obviously a massive moment in terms of Pompey's history over the last 20 years. Um, and then you had quite a large squad turnaround, uh, turnover after, after that season and after the next season. What was it about you that made... Um, that made you desirable to stick around, I guess, in the squad? Because a lot of players left. And as you said earlier, there were some big names came in. What was it about you that made you um, sort of desirable to stick around, do you think? I, I don't know. I think the fact that you're homegrown and you're young obviously gives you a slight advantage. It, it, the, the fans seem to want you a little bit more. Um, but I, I, you, I, I, think, I think that on one hand, but on the other hand, the game is so ruthless that there's, there's, it's not personal managers will come in and their job's on the line at the end of the day so they'll only keep you around if you're of use to them 
Um, there's no sort of emotion attached to it. It's just literally a business. He wants to succeed. If you can help him succeed, you stay. If you can't, he'll move you on. Um, but I, I, I just believe that I had the age and I had the potential to develop. Um, and I obviously had a certain amount of ability that, that sort of persuaded managers that they could get something out of me. Mm. Uh, obviously I had a, a decent amount of energy and decent legs as well especially at that time so I could sort of be used anywhere across the floor um, and, and I wasn't very difficult to manage I was sort of I just sort of got on with my work went in every day trained as hard as I could if I was selected I played if I wasn't selected I didn't complain um, so it was just sort of a, it, if I was a manager I, I would be more than happy to have a, a Gary O'Neill with my squad whether he was playing or whether he wasn't because you sort of knew knew what you were going to get um, sure which I think which I think is very important in in sort of a squad environment so uh, none, none, I, of, I the, none of the none of the none of the Paul Merson uh, shenanigans then for you Gary for a manager to have to look after uh, well it, yes <laughs> I didn't feel like I was ever good enough or in the league to. I felt like if I caused anyone any problems, I'd be out as out the door as quickly as I was in it. So I sort of towed the line and made sure that there was no reason to to leave me out. Um, and and I loved it at Portsmouth. It's, I absolutely loved my my time there. So yeah. I, I, I I wanted to stay there as long as I could. Um, and and it, it was a shame the way things went. I mean, I ended up leaving before it sort of turned. Um, well, before it got to the ultimate high of winning the FA Cup, mm. but then before it all went uh, a little bit south. Um, so it may have been that when it when it went south, I'd have been forced to leave anyway because the financial restraints yeah. and stuff. Um, but it would have. I was thinking back, and I played till I was 36. I made my debut at 16. Um, so I, I haven't got any regrets. But to have done 24 years at, at Portsmouth would have been would have been amazing. But it, but it, it wasn't to be. But if I could go back and do it again, um, and Portsmouth would have stayed in sort of the Premier League in the Championship, I'd have. I'd have loved to have done my my full twenty years in football at, at Portsmouth Football Club. So, what was it that changed then? Between other than players coming in behind the scenes, what changed between getting fifty three points in two thousand and one, two thousand and two, and then the next season ninety eight points and going up? Was there anything in terms of mentality, in terms of training, in terms of attitude towards the game, other than players and obviously staff changing at that time? Um. I think there was an attitude change, but that that came with the players that that arrived because they they had succeeded at, at other clubs with bigger challenges. Uh, most of them were Premier League players, um, so I think automatically the levels went up and the levels of expectation went up within the group. Um, but also they they had the quality to back that up because you can go into a Saturday expecting to win, and if if you're not good enough, just expecting to win won't make any difference. So. Yeah. I think it, it all sort of went hand in hand, and, um, and you're only, you are only as good as, as the quality of player you have. I mean, managers and things and tactics and stuff like that does make a difference. But if you've got fantastic players, it, it does not give you a good a good start, and, and that that was the main part of it. And then, like I say, in tow with that was the fact that we played a few games and we brushed people aside fairly comfortably, and we we realised that we could achieve something. And then there was just a ruthlessness within the group to to achieve what we what we thought we should achieve, um, and and thank, thankfully we did. We managed to achieve it, and the, the club went on to have some some amazing years over that over that mm. period. So it was a it was a period that I'm sure is fond in the memory of, of Portsmouth fans, and and definitely in the, in my memory as well. 
I just wanted to touch, Gary, on the um, so we probably get promoted to to the Premier League, and you know you go out on a couple of loans to Walsall um, and then to Cardiff later on. Uh, do you think these are things that help develop you as a player? Because, you know, Pompey at the moment like to send out players on loan to get some experience and then and then come back and, you know, try and make an impact. Do you think those helped you at all in your career? Because they're quite short loan, loans, weren't they, at the start of each season? Yeah, they definitely did. So that would be, if, any, if there are any young aspiring footballers out there, my, I was just desperate to play. Um, and I loved being at Portsmouth. But when uh, we got promoted and I, I spoke to Harry, um, I wasn't playing, so I said, look, Gaffer, I, I just want to play. I need to go and play some football. And he wasn't keen. He was like, I really want you around the squad. Things could change any moment. So I was just, like, everyone's fit at the minute. Can, can I go and do a month somewhere? Do you know, can I go and play some football? Because I was just desperate to play because I'd had a taste of playing first-team football. And it's very difficult. Although I was still young, I'd only been 19 or 20 or whatever I was, it was very difficult to me to accept them not playing. So... Um, I would advise all young players. You can you can learn certain amounts from playing in the under twenty threes and playing youth football. But if you're good enough and you can go out there and get a a football league loan, then then go and grab it and play play real football because you you learn stuff that you just don't learn in the first team. There's especially if you go to the lower leagues, there are seasoned professionals out there trying to pay their mortgage, trying to pay for food for the families with win bonuses. So it is ultra, ultra competitive and, and you won't get away with being sloppy or having an off day. You'll be pulled up on it and you just learn so much. They, they were driven by me, them loan spells, the one to, to Warsaw and the one to Cardiff. And, and thankfully for me, they, they were both successful loans. And, and when I came back, I managed to have decent spells back in the in the Portsmouth team. So yeah, my, my advice would be to, if, if you're not needed at the club you're at, go out and, and play some football. Okay, cool. So, if we jump forward to Harry Redknapp leaving uh, in was it late two thousand and four? Um, yeah. We spoke to Leman Luar about this a few months ago, and his exact wording when we asked about it was, uh, "I felt like Harry abandoned us. That's how I felt. Why go to Southampton? Why them?" Was that a feeling that you shared? Was it a feeling that was open in the group, or was it a case of you keep your emotions about it behind the scenes and just try not to think about it, comment on it? when you're actually, you know, doing your job? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I, it didn't overly, I, I wasn't overly bothered about it. I, I thought that we would just move on and that Portsmouth would be fine. And for me, I, I just thought that was how football worked and, you know, people leave and go other places all the time. I think it was it was unfortunate that he ended up joining, uh, obviously, the local rival. But um, I, think I, I was more focused on, on Portsmouth and what it meant to us. And, and I felt mm-hmm. that he would be replaced with a, with a candidate that would be equally as good and that the squad would remain intact and we would continue to progress. Um, so there was there was no hard feeling on, on my behalf of towards Harry just because of, of what he'd done for me as as a young professional, really, and the opportunity he'd given me, the players he'd, he'd allowed me to train with and play with. Um, and, and everyone's entitled to make their own decisions. So I, I never held any, any sort of grudges. Um, but when, whenever we played Southampton, you always wanted to beat them more when, when Harry was in their dugout than, sure. than, than when he yeah. was. We always wanted to beat Southampton anyway, but having, having Harry sat on their bench always made it um, sort of that, that, that sort of extra special if you managed to get one over them. So we can actually credit uh, Redknapp a little bit for some of those wins we had by giving the players a little bit of extra motivation, eh? I think so. That 4-1... Well, you spoke about Luar Luar. Was it 4-1 at half? I think yeah. They one, didn't they? Yeah. 
Yeah, they um, did, yeah. So that Luar Luar was unstoppable that day. So yeah. having upset in Luar Luar definitely helped us that, that afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a sparky one. So um, as you came back from the, the two loans and then that 2004 to 2007 period uh, before you left the club, um, that's when you sort of essentially walked back into the first team. That's how it came across from the first uh, from the outside and went from making sort of three appearances in the season uh, you were out on loan and then it was sort of appearances in the 20s and 30s in the league each season. What uh, was, well, did anything change that made you become the first option again or was it a case of sort of rotation that... It was your your turn or your time as you came back from the loans. It, it was interesting, actually. The spell at Cardiff, um, I was only there a month, but I think I played eight games, or there was a lot of games that month. Um, and I had a really good spell, really enjoyed it. Um, they were keen to keep me, either make it permanent or extend the loan. Um, but Harry, I think he picked up some injuries mm. um, and was, was keen to have me back. Um, so I sort of came, I came back because there was a couple of injuries at the time. And I think I came back with a little bit more belief because of how well the, the Cardiff spell had gone. Um, and, and in turn, there, there was a gap there for me to go in and, and show that I, I was ready. Um, so it's just sort of everything sort of married up and gave me an opportunity. And thankfully I was in a place then having come off the back of a decent run of form at Cardiff to to be confident enough and developed enough to, to take it. Um, and obviously there was no, no no better way to start than the, the Leeds game with the two goals and mm. beating them 6-1. So it sort of, that added to my belief and made me feel like um, that I belonged at, at, at that level and that I, I could do this on a regular basis. So it just just sort of growing up, really. That was all it was. I yeah. went to Cardiff for a month and probably grew up a year's worth in a month. So came back and I'm not sure who was injured but opportunity sort of arose that I, I could have a little spell and, and I sort of grasped it so that's what you need as a young lad sometimes you can be as good as you want in training I mean, if Tim Sherwood Steve Dunn Nigel Quasi Andy Fay whoever it may be are on fire every week and the team aren't losing and you're top of the league it's very very difficult to force your way in no matter what you do so you do need mm. a little bit of luck from somewhere to, to, to break through do you have a, a standout moment? Again, this is a, very, a question I'm sure you've been asked a lot, but from that time in the Premier League, is there a moment that stands out to you as either this is the peak moment of my time at Portsmouth or this, you know, I've made it sort of thing? Was it that first first game against Leeds? Um, the first game against Leeds was big for me individually because it sort of gave me a belief that I could perform at that level because obviously it was my Premier League debut and I, did, I didn't know what it was going to take. Everyone mm. tell me what a big step up it was. Um, but that, that was my full debut in the Premier League and that sort of gave me the belief that I could do it. Um, although it gets harder from then. I like it, the, the debut is the easy part because you're just running purely on adrenaline. Um, the first few games are actually the easiest games I've ever played because you've got no fear. There's no expectation. You're running purely on adrenaline. It's that, it's that spell a few weeks after the debut, maybe seven, six, seven, eight games in where it becomes real and it, this is real life and this is what you've got to do for the next 12 years if, if you want to be a Premier League player. That, mm. That's when it becomes more difficult. Um, but the Wigan game, the, the away game at Wigan where we stayed up and, and that whole run, to be honest, the, the sort of part um, that I was able to play in it with a decent amount of goals that season where mm. I think we, we went to Fulham and I got a couple and I scored a big one in a 1-0 win at home to Middlesbrough. 
Um, Pedro Mendes, obviously the Man City game. Yeah. So there was, yeah, there was loads in that spell. But that, that feeling at Wigan, where we sort of felt like we'd achieved the unachievable, because we, we were so far adrift and we were in such a bad place, that, that there was no way we were staying up. Um, and to, to sort of turn it around and then have a week to spare and have Liverpool coming at home where the mm. job was already done and we could enjoy the, the day out against Liverpool was just amazing. And, and to do it in front of a an away end at Wigan full of Portsmouth fans, I'm not yeah. even sure how many there were. Yeah. It, looked like, it looked like there was more fans than there were seats anyway. I'm not sure <laughs> how they all got in there, but it was just... Yeah, you don't get that fans. anymore at Wigan. No, no you so don't. It was, it, no. it was crazy. Um and then obviously we had the little spell where we all had to wait on the pitch, which sort of added to the drama because they were they were still playing at St Andrews, I think, against Newcastle. Or Birmingham playing Newcastle, I think. And we were we were waiting for the final whistle to go uh, to go because I think they were drawing, and if if Birmingham didn't win, we were safe. So we were all on the on the pitch for a few minutes because they had a bit more added time than we did. So it was just it was absolutely amazing. And then we all went we all went back to my house after when we finally made the home from Wigan. We had a sort of team party in my in my house in, in Warsaw. So those, those sort of memories, you, you don't appreciate them as much at the time as as I do now when you sort of, I haven't officially retired, but when you sort of stopped and, you, and your best days are behind you, mm-hmm. you'd give it anything to go back and have a, have a day as special as, as that again because it, it it was truly amazing what, what we managed to achieve in, in that in that few weeks. And um, and what were the celebrations like, sort of afterwards with the with the, with the guys? Did you do anything special to, to celebrate? Did you go out in the town or? No, not really. We had a big a big party that went on like all night at mine. Um, so loads of drink and loads of people having a laugh and waking up in the morning finding people asleep in the hallway and so there was all all sorts of things. But it was we, we didn't go out anywhere. I don't think some of the lads might have gone out the next night or. I think we went for a team meal as well in the week because the, the Liverpool game was obviously not as important as it as, as it might have been. Um, there was loads of champagne being sprayed everywhere in the away dressing room at Wigan, which I don't think happens too often. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we, it, it was amazing. It was amazing, and to achieve it with, with a group of players that we were so close, we had an amazing spirit. The the families and the wives included. We used to go out together for meals every Saturday children wives players everybody so there was a there, it was an amazing group and it was a, it was an amazing spell actually you don't get it every club i've been to afterwards there has not been the the same spirit that, that we had in in that dressing room at portsmouth and do you think that special bond was part of the reason that you sort of you stayed up that sort of togetherness rather than other teams you've been at yeah definitely because there was no, there's no way you would come back from where we came back from um if you didn't have a togetherness um so we, we were lacking quality and we were in a bad place in the first half of the season. And then obviously Harry managed to add a bit of quality here and there in, in the window. And that added with the togetherness we had sort of just drove us on. And I, I don't know what the points tally was in that in that little spell. Someone t- told me that we collected like 21 points from nine or 10 games, I think. So it was like, you know I mean? it was like European form from a side that couldn't win a game in the first half. So... It was it was an incredible turnaround, and to to come back from the lows that we had um, was amazing. So, although we had more successful seasons, I think we finished eighth or ninth or something the, the following year or something like that. Anyway, um, it still didn't feel as, as special as what what we managed to achieve in the in the late part of of that season. And I can tell you, Gary's a fan. 
um it was actually incredible sort of um you know thing to follow i mean it was sort of disbelief and um elation at the same time really mate um just moving yeah. on uh so you moved to borough in uh 2007 was yeah. that was that your choice of clubs and did you feel you were leaving pompey at their peak or how did you feel um, about the move harry had signed a few players and um Obviously, I didn't get as much time in centre midfield as I'd have liked, and I was playing on the right. And then he added John Utaka, um, and, and Harry sort of said to me that he was going to be his, his sort of go-to right midfielder. The man um, he never tracked back. Yep. Yeah. So that that that, and, and I respected that. That, that do you know what I mean? I, I didn't see myself as a fantastic right winger anyway. So mm-hmm. I, I sort of understood that if I was a manager, I, I would maybe want something different from my right my right side midfielder as well. Um, so I, I was sort of okay with it, and I, I thought, as I always did, that I'll bide my time, and at some point he's going to need me, and I'll prove to him that that I'm that I'm still the man that should be out there. Um, but then, sort of very late in in the window, my agent and I said, "Thoughts of have accepted a, a couple of bids, one one from Fulham and and one from Middlesbrough." Um, he said, "The Fulham one's definitely been accepted, and the Middlesbrough one's getting close." So I said. I said, okay, I don't, I don't really, I don't really want to go. I'm, I'm happy here. Do you know what I mean? Me, me and my wife had just had a baby as well. She was like three months old. We'd literally just finished doing the house up. We put the last bit of wallpaper on the house, um, and I just said, like, he, but he, he, my agent, I was young at the time. My agent said, look, if if they're accepting offers, it, it sort of means like your time's up. Do you know what I mean? If if you refuse to go, it's going to cause a problem. And, so I was like, okay, that's fine. If if, it, if it's time to go, we'll, we'll go. So I went up to Fulham for, for some chats and met the manager, and j- just wasn't really feeling it. Really, he didn't he didn't seem to, to he didn't seem delighted that I was in his office talking to him. Um, so I was sort of I was on the scales doing my medical just in my slips, and my agent come in and said that the middles are the ones been accepted now, and they're offering us a bit more money. We need to go up there. So I was like, right, okay. So I jumped off the scales at Fulham and we drove up the A1 at 11 o'clock at night or whatever it was the day before the window shut. And it was it was all a bit of a whirlwind, really. It was just crazy. My wife was on the phone saying, why are you on your way to Middlesbrough? And I was like, oh, it's just like Fulham didn't seem overly keen and Portsmouth have accepted an offer. So Gareth Southgate's been on the phone. He's desperate for me. He sounds like he really wants me. And as a player, that, that, that makes a difference. So Yeah, of course. Um, it was difficult because if I'd had a couple of weeks, you know, it would have been like, right, okay, let me weigh this up. Um, let me see what happens. Let me see if I can break in the in the team the next game or the game after. Um, but it was just I didn't. I, we just didn't have much time, you know. So it was like if I, if I turn this down now, then I'm, I might be sat in the reserves till January. You just don't know. So it was. If they wouldn't have accepted offers, I wouldn't have left. But it just felt like. The club were ready. They they probably had um, a decent offer that they felt suited the club financially to to sign the players that Harry wanted to sign, and and that was just how it was. So we we parted ways, which which was unfortunate because, um, as I say, I absolutely loved my time there. It's definitely my my favourite spell at any at any club I've been at. So, um, but it is what it is. Nothing nothing can go on forever. So um, it did give me some fantastic opportunities to. To play at different places, and to be fair, I've 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 had a very I've been very lucky to play for some fantastic clubs, and I've I've enjoyed the majority of of a twenty year career. So um, 
no complaints really, but just just unfortunate looking back because I, I did love it down on the on the south coast. So looking back with with the uh, gift of hindsight and seeing what happened to the club in the six five six years afterwards, and looking at the direction your career took in the ten years afterwards, it all happened very quickly at the time. But yeah, in hindsight, was it the right move that allowed you to carry on your career at a high level, rather than probably a couple of a couple of very good years and then a, a bit of a crash and burn? To be honest with you, and probably the panic that would have caused in terms of trying to find a new club. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I'd have loved to have been there to help out, to be honest, you know, if, if I could. Because um, when, when you see the club that you've have done so much for you and that I was a big part of um, suffering, I, I, I always felt like I wanted to help out and it, and it wasn't possible at that time, obviously. I, nearly came, I very nearly came back under Tony Adams, um, spoke to him about it um, when I was at Middlesbrough. And Middlesbrough wouldn't let me out. Um, so, but the, the the deal was all agreed with with Tony, and I was desperate to come back, but it, it just didn't materialise. But then, obviously, I'd have loved to have been part of the FA Cup because I've, I've never won a, a major trophy, obviously the championship, and being promoted a few times. But to have been part of that FA Cup thing um, would have been amazing. And then I, I would have taken some lows. You know, I'd have I'd have tried to help fight and because I, I knew I was sort of part of, of the family and it, it would have would have hurt me to see the club going through such a tough spell. So I don't think I would have been... I don't think looking back I would have regretted staying if I did because it went so. I think I would have felt like I had a responsibility to try and, to try and help in, in the best way I could. Um, but yeah, obviously the, 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 the state the club ended up in and what it had to do with getting players out and coming to the arrangements with people and it was it was a horrible place to see to see such a special club but the the thing it always had that was always going to see it through I, I knew Portsmouth Football Club would would never um, fail to exist because the support it had no, no matter who they played no matter when it was the stadium was full the bell was ringing so there was a, there was always going to be Portsmouth Football Club you know when you see some clubs struggle and they struggle for support and the stands yeah. are empty and then you can see why they, they struggle to recover. But I, I knew Portsmouth would come again and they're, they're well on their way at the moment, thankfully. They've had a fantastic run. Uh, hopefully mm. they'll, they'll be back in the, in the championship very soon. Yeah. So you had some experience of being involved with a, a financially struggling football club at Bolton uh, by last yeah. season. Yeah. Um, Andrew Taylor referred to it as absolutely horrendous, which summed it up very concisely. Um, yeah. Pompey fans know how this feels as sort of a... From a fan point of view, what's it like on the ground where you're not knowing where your next pay packet is coming, where, where it's coming from, and sort of no, well, the limited job security, I guess. How much does that really affect yeah. you on a Saturday afternoon? It affects everyone differently. Obviously, I, I was 36 years old, 35, 36, depending what time of the season, and um, I'd been fortunate enough to have a, a decent career already, um, and, I, and I wasn't playing football at. Bolton for the money. I, I was being paid, but I wasn't bit playing football for Bolton for the money. I was playing football for Bolton because they gave me the opportunity to do another year in the championship, um, which, which which I'm really grateful for to Phil Parkinson and everyone there for taking me because I had a tough spell at Bristol City with injury before that and felt I might not get the opportunity to, again, even though I knew I was still good enough. So um, it, it was a weird one last year because I had a fantastic year 
from a personal point of view. Um, obviously, the fans player of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won player of the year and put in some decent performances. I managed to prove to people that um, I, I sort of wasn't wasn't finished because the Bristol City spell was a tough one for me because I had an injury that no one could sort of find. I kept having scans and they were saying there wasn't anything wrong, and then I had this pain that I couldn't play properly with. So it was a tough spell, and then to come back and perform the way I did and play so many games at sort of my age um, was sort of a proud one for me because I felt like I, I felt like maybe people had written me off so from that point of view I enjoyed it and that sort of always um, sort of overrode the, the negativity of not getting paid and not winning many games and the fact I was still out there and being able to do what I love doing at a decent level was, was sort of all it was about for me but as a squad, it was extremely difficult because when I arrived, I've been around enough squads to know that we we were going to struggle that year. You know, you look around in training and yeah. you look at what the clubs managed to spend on players and you look at what the other teams in the championship are spending and who they're attracting. And it was always going to be a tough year, whether we whether we had financial difficulty through the year or not. With the squad we had, we were going to be right up against it to stay up. So I knew it was going to be tough. So then we started losing games and we were down the bottom and on a terrible run. And then added to that, you add to a, a squad that is already sort of extremely low because we can't pick up any points and we're trying our hardest. It's not for a lack of effort. It's literally for a lack of ability and quality throughout the squad. And then you add to that the fact that they're now not getting paid and there's lads there that haven't earned loads and loads of money yet. There's some young lads there. or There's lads that have come from lower leagues. Um, they're struggling to put petrol in their car. They're having to pick each other up to come to training to share the petrol. So it just became a, a, a super low dressing room that was extremely hard to pick up. Um, and to be fair to them, every Saturday we went out and gave it a go. Um, but the week was just taken over. Every day there was a meeting about finances, a meeting about what we're going to do, a meeting about whether we can force the club's hand into paying us some. Why are they paying other staff and not paying us? Do you know why? Why should we keep going when we're the only ones not being paid? So there's all this going on. Even on a Friday afternoon in hotels, when we've got an away game the next day, we're having meetings and we're getting phone calls from the PFA. So it, it just became a mess, um, and it was very, very difficult um, for the squad as a whole to just to keep going. Um, and then as soon as sort of it became obvious we were going to get relegated and no one was being paid, it was very hard for Phil Parkinson to even find 11 players that were willing to, to put their bodies on the line on a Saturday and risk getting injured when they knew they needed to find a new club very shortly and they didn't know where their next, their next pay packet was coming from. So I felt extremely sorry for Phil Parkinson trying to manage mm. a group, yeah. trying to motivate a group in such a competitive league. The championship is is far superior to what it was five, ten years ago. Um, so it, it was a tough, tough spell. Um, but something that I'll, I've also learned from, uh, and obviously I've made no secret of the fact I want, I want a manager, I feel like I can, I can add something to teams as, as a manager. So I've learned lots from, from all sorts of different spells, successful spells and, and difficult spells. So you're, um, just saying you're looking to manage, Gary, are you taking steps now? Have you done your coaching badges or are you taking steps to sort of like move into into management in that sense? I am, yeah. I've been, it's very difficult actually. I've been, to, I've been taking steps since I was about 27 when I realised that I wanted to manage. So I've, I've, 
I've done all my coaching badges, then all done pro license. Um, I've studied every manager I've worked with. I've got notes upon notes about what I liked, what I didn't like, what I would have done. What, um, and then I also corrected myself where I said I would have done this, and I look back at it and think, "What was you thinking? There's no way you should do that." So I've, I've prepared the best I can, and now I just need some experience. So there's there's a few opportunities coming up. I've, Crystal Palace have been great to me this year because I've had. I've had a bit of an injury, so I haven't been able to play this season. So I've been in at Crystal Palace helping out with the 23s uh, with Sean Derry. Not not full-time, but just sort of just going in to help out because it's local to me. So I've been in there. Um, I've got a few few opportunities coming up next season, hopefully, that will help me get some coaching experience. And, and you just you just put your name in. You just apply for jobs. And you send off your CV. Back saying, yeah, great CV, but we're looking for someone with some experience. Like, yeah, that's what everybody says. Um, that's, that's the job market, is, isn't it? Yeah, it was everyone's experience. Yeah, it's just how it is. But they are, I think that the thing that might help me at the moment is how well managers are doing that are going straight in at the deep end. Because I've had this discussion with people that I've spoke to about jobs. I said, I said I've, I've got 20 years experience. I've been in the changing room as a leader for 20 years. Like, I, I, do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not a different. It's not like I'm going into a completely different job. This is just the other end of the changing room. Do you know what I mean? I've been in there. I know what it takes. I know enough people in the game. Um, I know enough agents to sign players. So, of course, there'll be things that I learn while I'm doing it. But taking experience managers doesn't guarantee your success. So. I think the fact that sort of Frank Lampard and Scott Parker and um, Arteta has gone straight into a huge club. Gerard so as well, fact, Rangers. Yeah, Gerard. I think the fact, honestly, that they're, they're big names and you, you get your opportunity because of the fantastic career you've had. Mm. But even lower down, there were some fantastic young managers. Jerry Burnson doing well. Um, Ian Everett, who was on my on my coaching uh, courses, he was a BNEA licence, who's doing well at Barrow. So there are there are loads and loads of examples of managers that because the game has changed in my opinion the changing room has changed the way that, the way that players expect to be treated the the things they respond to have changed massively from when I started we were sort of I used to be scared of the manager and that was why I sort of performed and you don't really get that anymore like players aren't they don't respond to that sort of fear that they used to they they're more like they're, they're more like being loved and. They want to feel like you're sort of part of it with them. So I, I think there's a huge place for, for younger managers and that sort of know they know where the game is going and they've been in it for recently. Um, but I'm happy to start in, in youth team football or start as somebody's assistant or first team coach or player coach or whatever it may be. Um, but I just love it. I'm really looking forward to it because I've always loved the mental side of the game. And obviously your legs are going to give up on you at some point. But thankfully, well, hopefully my brain will will keep me in the game and keep me competitive for, for the next few years. Well, get some experience, Gary, and you can come back over to Pompey. So we're, all the fans are, you know, clamouring to have you over there, mate, on the coaching stuff. Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm sure I'll be back one day. I've said it since the day I left. So, yeah, we'll have to keep waiting for now, but I'm sure I'll be back one day. We'll be beating the drum, mate, petitioning. Uh, talking about the current Pompey uh, team, you at the, at the Arsenal game, weren't you, uh, working? Uh, I covered it for Five Live, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What were you? What were your thoughts on the performance? I thought, they, I thought they did well. I thought they gave a good account of themselves. I thought it was, it was difficult against a 
against a team as good as Arsenal, and obviously he made uh, Arteta made some changes, but so did so did Kenny. Uh, I, I thought it was a decent performance. I thought they had a go. They were right in Arsenal's faces, which is all you can ask. Um, and then Arsenal got a goal that was, was a little bit soft, and then, and then it becomes difficult. It was a fantastic finish, um, but I think if if, you, if they look back at that Portsmouth, they'll be disappointed that. Um, no one sort of reacted to get out and block the cross when it went back out to the to the corner taker. Yeah. Um, but I, I, also, it was just sort of it wasn't the greatest cross because it was sort of curling away from everybody, and it just fortunately for us, it managed to fall perfectly onto onto his foot, and it was a fantastic finish. And from that point, when you're going to go down, and Arsenal no longer have to break you down, they can then keep the ball until you decide that you want it back, and then it starts to be holes opening up. So. I, I thought they gave a really good account of themselves, and I, I think it was, Kenny was was right to sort of rotate the squad a little bit. They've mm. got a huge run in and, and a big game at Wembley coming up. But although the Arsenal game was great for the club, it, the, the games coming up are, are far far more important in the in the future of Portsmouth Football Club. So hopefully they can they can continue the the amazing run there on, especially at home. I know the away form hasn't been quite so good, but the, the home form has been absolutely exceptional. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we took some um, we took some basic questions across social media, Gary. Loads of people wanted to get in touch, but obviously we haven't got enough time to answer all of them. We've taken some questions. Um, yeah, so do you know what, Andy? Far away with um, with the first one. Okay, so first one is from Headstagram, who wants to know at what point during that uh, Div 1 winning season did you realise something special was happening? So was it uh, when certain players were signed or was it sort of halfway through the season when the run was being put together? At what point did you think this is sort of more than just a, a good season? This could be something special. Yeah, there, there are always sort of moments where you go to tough places and you win comfortably, and you think that like av- average teams don't do that. I remember the one at Sheffield Wednesday where we made a few, we even made a few changes because we had some injuries in, in the gold kit. I think and we won three one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think because me and Vincent Pericard hadn't played a lot, and I think we were the goal scorers on the night. And I just thought on the way home to go to Hillsborough with a sort of a weakened 11 and beat them 3-1 so comfortably. Do you know what I mean? It means that there's something special going on. And you just, there's a few results where you you come away from them and you think, if, do you know what I mean? If, if we weren't a decent side, there's no way we'd have done that today. So there's always a few, but that, that Sheffield Wednesday one, probably because I played in it, sort of stands out for me. Do you think we should bring back the goal kick, Gary? Um, yeah, maybe I might be able to fill it out a bit better now. The neck was a bit big. You could all, you could almost see my belly button through the V-neck, uh, V-neck collar. Yeah. It was that big on me. But they didn't used to do sizes in them days. If you ask Big Kev for a different size, he says, I've got extra large or extra large. Take your pick. <laughs> yeah, everyone's a little bit more trim now, aren't they? In the way that they yeah, well, tailor stuff. I won't believe it, but some of the lads take them to the tailors to have them done. Did some they? of the boys at West Ham, yeah. So then some of the lads would have a go and buy a small go and get a small shirt off the kit man and take it to the tailors to have it taken in on the arms. That's so, why yeah. I I've, I've never done that, just so you know. <laughs> nice one. You stuck you stuck to your, to your boundaries on that. Um, yeah. Uh, Matt Porter messaged in and he said, best player to play for the club when you were there? Prozanecki, Merson, Crouch, someone else, yourself? Uh, definitely <laughs> not myself. Um, <laughs> I was possibly hardest working, but I was never the best. Um, I think they were all fabulous. Prozanecki was probably the most talented. I just obviously we didn't see him at his best, but to think what his best would have been, and, and I think anyone that's played for Real Madrid and Barcelona sort of that, that sort of tells you 
all of it because they don't sign players from each other very often. Um, so I think he he he, he was amazing. Um, but Lasana Diara was absolutely awesome as well. I don't know if I was there with yeah. him or if I just missed him, but I played against him once there when I came back from Middlesbrough. And he was phenomenal. And I just felt like, how, how is this guy playing for Portsmouth? And then obviously he wasn't, he was at Real Madrid after. Um, so he was exceptional as well. But yeah, we were very, very fortunate to, to have so many top, top players. But Prozanetti would probably be my standout. Good stuff. Um, Luke Lewis, <coughs> excuse me. Luke Lewis wants to know if you were coming back into uh, English football now, uh, what legal level do you think you could you could feature in and make a difference, sort of? Because um, obviously you showed you can still do it, Bolton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I may look to play again next year. Um, obviously, I was looking for a club in the summer, and it sort of dragged on a bit. And then me being me, I was working probably too hard to try and find a club, and ended up picking up a bit of an injury, and then it's been difficult ever since. But I have managed to stay fit, and physically, I'll definitely be able to play. It's just whether somebody gives me a chance. I, I could definitely, well, I've never done League One or League Two, so I don't know for sure. But last year, I found the championship fine. It was no problem um, in a struggling side. Um, so I, I, I could definitely play in in a championship squad um, in in the right position. I was sort of used right wing and as a number 10 last year because sort of needs must. Um, but having a 36-year-old on, on the right wing isn't ideal. I wouldn't recommend it to any young up-and-coming <laughs> managers. Um, if someone asked me to sit sit in their midfield and sort of use my brain and get stuck in, make some tackles and keep play moving, I could do that at at championship level. Definitely League One and League Two, um, but at the level won't overly bother me next year. If I decide to play again, I'll I'll happily go into to League Two just to just to get that feeling back of playing again because because I, I love it and I've, and I've missed it this season. So I think I could make a difference in in League One definitely, and it, and a club being promoted to the Championship or something like that—an easy experience. I'm sure I could help with. Definitely, you need that balance as well, don't you? You can't just have a bunch of youngsters. It comes across like an under 23s team, and you need that experience and someone to sort of to help lead the team in that sense. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the the youngsters are great. You know, you get you get value for money as a chairman, and you get the possibility of a sell-on, which is obviously. Um, chairman like like making money so I understand that football has sort of gone younger and younger um, but it is about winning football matches and I think if you, even looking at Liverpool and how fantastically they've done the last few weeks when Henderson and Milner have been missing from the squad you just see that levels maybe aren't quite as high as they are mm. when they're in there um, and they wouldn't be their standout players but I don't, I don't know what they offer in the dressing room but I know they're both as people and I would guess that the chain, they demand a certain amount of of quality and a certain way of doing things from the rest of the squad um, that, that can be missed and, and and is not always seen by the fan or the people outside. But uh, they're they're worth their, their weight in gold having them sort of characters and experienced pros in your dressing room. I guess it's and, uh, about keeping keeping fitness levels up as well as you get towards the latter stages of your career because there was a video. Last year, of, of I can't remember who it was, but James Milner was absolutely destroyed one of their 24, 25 year olds in a, a repeated sprint test. You can see him running down yeah. the touchline in the training ground and just sort of leaving him for dust, even though he's about 10 years older. So, yeah, I guess it's just keeping that base level of fitness through your career and just not expecting it to stay there. You have to work hard at it, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it is. And, and I've been lucky, you know, my lungs, lung fitness wise, I've always been 
one of the highest in every squad I've been in. Last year at Bolton, I did the I covered the most ground in every single training session and every single match that I played in. It's just the, the way I've always been. It's just been the way I've played and um, the way I'm built and how I'm made. So I've, I've never been the quickest, but I've always I've always been fit and been able to get around. So that that hasn't changed. Um, so yeah, I'm hopeful that I, I get to play again. But if I don't, um, obviously I'm making the, the moves for the for the coaching side and. Mm. Um, I, I realised that I've been fortunate to have such a, a long career. I think the average professional footballer's career is only like eight, nine years. So to have done twenty years is I've been extremely fortunate. Yeah, massively. Just just to just to finish it off, then Gary, because um, Scott Hogarth messages in. He says, "How did playing in front of the Pompey fans compare to other clubs?" Uh, it was amazing. It was. Um, I mean, I've had some fantastic support everywhere I've been, but. Uh, the way the Portsmouth fans responded to sort of negativity was sort of what separated them from others. You know, you go one nil down at home at other clubs I was at and there'd be grumbles and you felt like maybe the fans started to turn a little bit. Whereas I remember games at Portsmouth where we were getting hammered by teams and all you could hear was them singing play up Pompey or Harry and Jim or whatever it may be. So they, they sort of, you felt like they stuck with you no matter what. Um, and I, and I think they were sort of responded to the to the way I I went about it, and I, and I wasn't the most talented, but um, I can't think of one game in my career where I didn't give everything I had on that day, even if it didn't look like it. And and I think the Portsmouth fans sort of responded to that. So I think we had sort of a that sort of bond where I appreciated the fact that they stuck with me, and they appreciated the fact that I gave everything I had and. It was just a, a relationship that, that I re- really, really enjoyed. That's amazing. Um, Gary, cheers for coming on the podcast, mate. I really appreciate it. No problem, him. guys. Much one, appreciated. One, one last thing before I get you to go. Um, I've been asking yep. everyone this, so completely up to you. Um, do you mind giving us a little jingle? So just I'm Gary O'Neill and you're listening to the PO Forecast. No problem. I'm Gary O'Neill and you're listening to the PO Forecast. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate Beautiful. it. Thank you very That's much. It. All right, mate. Cheers, Thank guys. you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Have, Have a good one. Awesome. See you later. Thanks. Bye. Well, that was awesome having Gary O'Neill on the podcast. And thanks again, Gary, mate. Um, absolutely incredible. I'm sure you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed chatting to him. Um, we need to really quickly get on and do a, pre- a preview for the Peterborough game. So I won't hang around. Andy, you've got some questions. So let's go for it, mate. Yeah, so we spoke to the Yellow Block, who are a Peterborough uh, Peterborough podcast, so check them out on Twitter for some of their materials about the Pompey game this weekend. Uh, So thanks to Jared from the Yellow Block for answering these. Um, We asked him how the season's gone so far for Peterborough compared to their expectations, and he said, it's going okay. I predicted we'd finish third, and we're currently eighth, three points off third and six off the automatics. Uh, We'd expect us to reach the playoffs now, but the frustrating thing is if we hadn't had our annual festive collapse, we'd be right up there. Uh, they are expecting promotion this year now, by the sounds of it. Um, the, the owners and the fans both expecting promotion. Uh, the squad's got plenty of investment in it. They've brought in some some big names. Uh, we asked them how Dan Butler and Nathan Thompson have been doing so far at Peterborough. And uh, Jared said that they're both solid players. They started slowly. Um, Butler found himself on the bench with Blake Tracy coming in from King, Kingsley in town really stepping up. But Butler has regained his place in the side and has done really well. Thompson's been solid within a back three, which isn't really something we saw at Portsmouth, so it's quite quite interesting to see him performing there. Um, but they don't think he's great going forward, but he's accomplished. And I'm assuming by accomplished he means he can 
buy free kicks a lot. Um, their weakest area, <laughs> they say, is their, their defensive area, which I think anyone looking at that that team on paper would agree with. Uh, that's always been the posh way, certainly in the last 10, 15 years. Our attack is superb. The midfield's been reinforced in January, but the defence is a little hit and miss. Uh, they think that a draw would be a, a, an OK result, considering us being, in their words, a very good team. Uh, but if they want hopes of securing the automatic slots, they need to take all three points. And they're predicting a 2-1 a win for Posh. But they're, they're coming into the game on a fairly decent run of form on the whole. I mean, they got turned over by Fleetwood uh, last month. But before that, they, they've beaten a lot of the teams around them in the table, which is what Pompey needed to do recently. So they turned over Ipswich away. Uh, they beat uh, Wickham at home. They beat Rotherham at home. They're, they're a difficult team to you know go and take points away from on their patch. We know how, how good a team Peterborough are. It's just the consistency, Andy, isn't it? It's yeah. one of those things with them that I don't know what Peterborough team actually are going to turn up, especially away from home, I think, is is, exactly. is one of those things. But at home, they look very decent team. Obviously, apparently, Ivan Tony's back for this game as well, which isn't going mm. to help, help us either. I think it's going to be a really hard place to go. I would be happy with the draw away yeah, at Peterborough. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. I take a point from that every day of the week. I think mean, 1-1 would be you know, a decent result, not conceding a, a, a tonne load of goals. Obviously, Burge is out for this game as well. So it's going to yep. be um, either James Bolton retains his place in the squad after a decent performance against yeah, Arsenal. he did well, didn't he? He did mm. well there, yeah. yeah. Or maybe Jack Watmore comes in if he's, if he's fit and, um, you know, and then he decides to put Bolton back out on the right or, you know, how, how he looks at it from there. But I think it's going to be a difficult game for us. And, it's it's tight, Andy. Uh, what's your score prediction for the game? I'm going to go with one all. I can't see us keeping a clean sheet, but I do think we'll score. Um, so yeah, I'll go with a one all draw, to be honest. And I'm going to go for a two two draw. I'm going to say a repeat of the the game at Fratton Park. I think both teams have got more than one goal in them. Um, I think Peterborough are also quite susceptible to conceding more than one goal. So I'm going to go for a two two draw at London Road, if that's what it's still called. Lovely stuff, mate. Um, Super who's going to score, mate? <laughs> who do I think is going to score um, I will go with I'll go with the John Marquis three yard classic John Marquis three yard classic okay um, I'm going to go with a Ronan Curtis and let's have a little think about this because we'll, we'll go with uh, Sean Raggett to score with his head fantastic <laughs> good, good shout mate love it Andy mate it's been great having you on the podcast and uh, what a great interview so um, just to let everyone know coming up next week we've also got Kevin Harper former Pompey player on the podcast as well cool alright guys thanks for listening and until next time that Pompey you have been listening to the PO forecast for Pompey News Now available on SoundCloud Spotify and Apple Podcasts Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!